like steak knives. Women are taught to be martyrs. We're taught to be selfless. I had this weird mentality of stealing my own money. I remember saying, I'm a really selfless mum. And then I realised that that was making me really miserable. Hi, I'm Erin Deering and you're listening to The Work. As women, we've been conditioned to be selfless. It's a nice title, but if you take a look under the bonnet, you might find it leaves everyone else better off and leaving you burnt out and unhappy. So what's the solution? I'm going to touch on how I had money issues and how it strained my relationship with my ex-fiance, the surprising return on investment of self-care and why spending money on yourself is not being selfish, but it's essential for your well-being. So I'm going to touch on some stuff that's pretty personal about my relationship with myself and my relationship with money during my triangle time. This is all in my memoir, so it's nothing its nothing too new, but it isn't something that I've spoken about too much, but I feel is really, really important. So I had a really odd relationship with my money during the triangle years when we'd made money. And my relationship with the money that we'd made was very different to the relationship that Cray, who was my co-founder and at the time fiance, to the relationship that he had with money. Basically, I didn't ever really feel like the money was mine. And I always disempowered myself in the sense of thinking and believing that it was Craig's money. It was very much our money. I want to be very clear about this. This is not that it was actually the reality. We had a joint account. We All our, all our bank relationships were Craig and I. Every decision Craig made around money was discussed with me. But I never made any decisions about money. I never gave myself this power to treat that money like it was my money. And it was because of the way that I felt about myself during these years. So initially this started as, as you know, there weren't huge things in the beginning. It would be, Craig would suggest we went and took a photo shoot slash holiday over here. And so we would do that and spend our money on that. Or Craig would suggest you know, we bought these new cameras for new photo shoots because in the beginning he did all the photo shoots. So he would suggest, you know, let's buy this new camera and let's, you know, stay at this hotel. And they were all things that I was really happy to go along with. And then once we started making more money, Craig started making these decisions that were bigger. You know, I think I want to buy a Lamborghini. I think I want to buy a bigger boat. And these were decisions that I went along with. He shared them with me. But in a way, even that was sort of, they weren't things that I wanted. They were things that he wanted. They were, he wanted them for the betterment of our lives, but I felt very much like an observer to those decisions. Now, I didn't make any decisions like this for myself. All I did with this, had this weird mentality of essentially stealing my own money and sneakily spending my own money and not sharing this with Craig but I would go about buying things online, hiding them from him. I would wait until he went on a trip without me and then I would go and spend a lot of money and just buy silly things. They were never things that I wanted to share with him. They were never things I wanted to own. It became this very sneaky relationship that I had in my head around my money and the fact that I had built it up in my head that it was actually his money and something that I really couldn't actually get my head around at all during that entire length of that business and personal relationship. So obviously this would really frustrate Craig naturally because he would share everything with me when he spent our money. 
but I would spend our money quietly and I would hide it from him and he would ask me questions like, why are you being so stinky with this? Why are you keeping this from me? Why don't you want you know, me to be part of this. And I genuinely at the time felt so protective of my own independence. And I felt like, well, this is my, this is my stuff. This is for me. I don't want to share this with you, but he was sharing with me. So it was very much a one-sided, you know, I felt like I had so much dependence on Craig during this time for so many reasons that extended into our financial situation. I was codependent on that. And so when I sneakily was spending money without him knowing in my head, that was my way of trying to find independence in a situation where I didn't feel I had any. So ultimately Craig and I separated um, about six months before I ended up exiting the business. And it really was down to the fact that we weren't a team by this point. We weren't a team for most of that relationship. And I do believe it was through my lack of understanding that we were supposed to be a team and my my lack of being able to separate the fact that I was having this codependent relationship with him and resenting him for that fact and trying to build independence separately from him when I should have actually been trying to have independence with him, which is a very different experience and a def- different set of, I guess, rules around it. But really, ultimately, it was the fact that we just weren't a team. So the reason that I really felt like we weren't a team is because I never learned to be part of a team in a relationship. It wasn't something that came naturally to me. I'd never had that in a relationship before. You know, remember that I, I you know, I met Craig when I was 27. So I didn't have all these relationships in my past and he definitely had had more in his life experience being 10 years older than me. So I just really couldn't grasp the concept that it was our money and my own belief system and my own thinking was, he was the male, he was the earner, it was his money, I was the female, I wasn't earning anything and therefore I had to be very sneaky. It was a very, I feel, classic dynamic of I think how the male breadwinner versus the female who's at home dynamic and relationship is where he makes the money, she's at home just trying to find ways to spend it. But the crazy thing was is that it was also my business, it was also my money and my belief system was completely contradictory to what the actual reality was. So to add to this, this wasn't just about the money. So my feeling of this codependent lack of independence was really about the entire relationship as a whole. I never felt that I was safe enough to voice my issues and voice my concerns in this relationship. Now that is nothing to do with the other person. That is all on me. I had never learnt to be part of a team in any way, shape or form. So yeah, money was one of the factors, but really it was in every single part of the relationship that I didn't feel like we were a team. I didn't know how to go to him and talk to him about what was going on with me. I kept it very much separate. We never really made time to communicate these issues to each other. We never sat down and had a conversation ever about where our boundaries were and what we liked and how we liked to communicate. It never happened. On top of that, we also started a business pretty much at the beginning of our relationship. So we never had any opportunity to differentiate our personal relationship from our business relationship. And both those relationships never had any forum to have any open communication between us on how to move forward and move together as a team at all. So I just had no idea. And I guess because I didn't feel safe in being able to share these feelings and share these emotions, money did become a huge deal to me because it was kind of everything that I had put my independence on previously. You know, 
you make money, you can move out of, you know, your family home, you make money, you can buy your own house, you make money, you can have your own things and you can live your own life and you can be your own person. So when I didn't feel like I could be my own person in that relationship with other issues, having the money became a huge focus for me because I felt like I needed that or I needed to focus everything around that to find a way to, for me, it ended up being finding a way to sort of get out. And it was really not get out of a relationship, it was get out of the own hell that I was in, that I'd cultivated in my own life where I just didn't feel safe at all. After the break, I'll be sharing about how selflessness leads to burnout. Don't go anywhere. All right, guys, I get a lot of questions about business and self-care, so I have created Love Notes, which is like having a little coffee or a chai. Chat with me in your email. Sign up on my website, erindeering.com. It is truly the best and easiest way to stay connected and keep up with any upcoming events, giveaways, and all the other good stuff. Now, let's get back to the episode. So all of this came about as recently because I had a chat with one of my best friends and we were just talking about how she takes care of herself and how I take care of myself and the self-care we do. And she was saying how she goes and gets her hair blow waved and she gets her nails done and she does these few things for herself and that her husband fully supports it. So they have one child, she's pregnant with another. He gives her the support to do whatever she wants to do in this respect to make herself feel good. So with her, and and I believe in this too, that these little external aesthetic things are not frivolous for me. They are things that are really important in making me feel good and you know, looking good, feeling good. It's something that I really believe in. And I don't think these things are frivolous. I think these things help you feel connected, recharged, rested. It makes you feel a certain way. They're not frivolous at all. And I think that this is actually quite an uncommon view, but it should be quite a common view. If you're someone only, you know, I'm not saying that people, if they're not into doing these things, should suddenly start doing it. But if it's something that you actually value because it makes you feel good, but you're not doing it because of X, Y, Z, you really should be finding the time to do that and not feeling like it's selfish, it's frivolous, it's silly, or it's just, you know, unnecessary. Because it actually is necessary to feel good, to be able to then lead the house and the family like mothers are supposed to do. So this really leads to one of the biggest topics that I love talking about is that Women are taught to be martyrs. You know, we're taught to be selfless. It's something that we, our mothers wore as a badge of honor and we got brought up wearing it as a badge of honor. And anything that involves you taking care of yourself, they're silly and they're selfish and they should be done in a time when you cannot inconvenience the other people in your life, like your husband or your children or whoever it is around you in your little circle. And the thing about this as well that I think too, which even goes further is that whilst women don't have any of these self-care needs fulfilled. And for some of us, it is, you know, these things that make us look good because that makes us feel good. Men have lots of hobbies, you know, like there's a little bit of a double standard here because men can go play golf, men can go fishing, men seem to have these extravagant trips that they go on quite often or they like really needed like a night with the guys or whatever it is, whereas women seem to reserve these experiences for the very select few times we get to do it. Men do these things for self-care. It's like, yeah, they they say that it's just like, oh, we're just hanging out and it's just this, but it actually is a self-care ritual. You know, men see the value in hanging out with the other men. And I think women see the value in 
having a break, sitting down quietly, getting their nails done, getting their hair done. You know, it might even just be going and doing a yoga class, going for a walk. There's the things that we all kind of know to do, but this is the stuff that self-care. Self-care doesn't always have to be some holistic ritual that makes you a better person. Self-care can be the simple things that you really like doing. I know for me that the self-care things that I love doing is making sure I have nice hair, making sure I have a massage, making sure I do these little things that probably externally make me look better, but internally they make me feel really, really good. Now, I know some of you are probably also thinking I have a lot of resources to invest time in self-care and I do. Um, But my friend that I was referring to, she doesn't. She has a startup. She does not have money to throw at these things, but it is the return on investment that is so important. And you have to find what suits your lifestyle in the current moment and know what your return on investment is for these self-care rituals. You can find a place like, yeah, I get a blow wave and it's pretty excessive and I spend a lot of money on it. If you love that and value it, but something that you can't actually afford in that very moment, find someone that can do it, someone that can do it on a Tuesday afternoon for, you know, a deal, go and find that deal, go and find that little way, that pivot of being able to do it to make yourself feel good rather than kind of giving up and going, well, that's, I can't do those self-care things. I can barely pay the bills. There's always a way when there's a will, there's a way this extends to self-care. This extends to these things that are going to make you feel good. For example, even, you know, eating breakfast at home versus eating breakfast out. Now, some people, this is like, this is another, it's like, might not seem like a big thing, but the return on investment of spending an extra 10 to $15 to have, whether it's with your husband or with a friend or whether it's on your own, personally, I love a meal on my own. There's a big return on investment for these things. If you give yourself that time, you allow yourself that moment to you, that's going to set you up for the rest of the day. It could set you up for the rest of the week. Just knowing that you've put that value on yourself through a monetary you know, way, that is really important because you're saying, I value this for me and I'm going to spend this for me because it's going to make me feel good. So what I really, really want to drill in here is that it's not so much about the money itself. It's about what the money can give you back in terms of that headspace, that clarity, that freedom, that feeling of I've valued myself, I've honored myself. That is what money can get us, right? It makes us feel good. It affords us more resources. It affords us more whatever it is in our lives. That doesn't mean it has to be lots of money. It's just the way you spend it, the where you put it, the value you put on it. It is so important to be able to value yourself enough to spend a little bit of money to give you that feeling that you need. My new memoir, Hanging by a Thread, is coming out on September 26th. Woo! You can pre-order your copy now by heading to Booktopia. The link is in the show notes. So I know we're not tackling the big things here and I'm not saying that a blow wave is going to solve all your life's problems, but I am saying that these small things can be such a great start to taking care of yourself and honoring self-care and therefore starting to feel a little bit better about yourself wholly. And the reality is when you treat yourself better and you start to get into a good place with yourself emotionally and mentally, you'll start to treat others better and everyone around you will start to benefit as well. In fact, it's the it really is in a flippy way, 
you are being selfless by taking care of yourself because everyone benefits from it. You know, if you walk into your house at the end of the day or even in the morning you wake up and you know you've taken that time for yourself or you know you've got that time for yourself coming up, you're going to be coming from a place of so much more positivity. Your energy is going to be so much more abundant and everybody around you is going to feel that versus waking up in the morning being like another day I don't get to do anything for myself, another day where uh, my needs don't matter. Everyone feels that resentment, that frustration, that energy, you know, it works both ways. So really self-care is actually kind of selfless in the way that it does actually benefit everybody around you. So it's really something that we need to start doing. So I, I love working in this kind of comparison field when it comes to being selfless and being self-led because selfless, even though we're taught that this was, you know, we were taught that this was the goal. We were, I remember saying not even many years ago after I'd had Oscar, I'm really selfless. Like I was really proud of that. Like I'm a really selfless mum. And then I realised that that was making me really miserable and that I needed to actually do some stuff for myself. It just built up over time. In the very beginning, you're like, yeah, everything for everyone else, not sustainable. So I have this little graph that I love to talk to. So when you're selfless, it creates burn burnout and exhaustion. When you're self-led, it fosters a positive and authentic self-image of yourself. When you're selfless, you sacrifice your needs for others. When you're self-led, you develop an internal validation system and self-confidence. When you're selfless, you neglect your goals and desires. When you're self-led, you recharge and find sanity. When you're selfless, this often leads to feelings of martyrdom and resentment. And when you're self-led, you are able to set up boundaries and support others. When you're selfless, you lack self-compassion and self-kindness. And when you're self-led, you can make space to think, create and pursue your interests. All right, guys, it's time to do the work. Okay, so when it comes to embodying this self-care, self-led way of thinking, let's go back in time. So remember a time before kids, remember a time before a seriously stressful career, remember a time when you were younger, a little more carefree, a little more selfish, right? Because you are when before all of these things. What was it? You need to be really self-aware here. What was it that you did back then that you really loved doing? Now, when you can remember that, it's really quite simple do it again now. Whatever it was for you that worked back then, were you someone that actually loved sitting down and writing a couple of paragraphs about something? Did you like sitting somewhere and people watching? Did you like some kind of sport? Did you like eating some kind of food somewhere and doing that? Whatever it is, whatever it is, it could be really small, it can be really big. Whatever you feel like you can replicate now, this is your first easiest way to go back in time and reference your old self and then recreate that today. Now, this is this is this is one that is so easy to say but so hard to do, but I urge you to do it. Now, if you're in a relationship, learn from my mistakes and share you know, it's like it's always the first step that's the hardest, right? So, if you feel like you're in a relationship where your needs aren't really being met, 
and you feel like it's probably because you've just it's just a lack of communication which is so common for us women to do don't worry I still am guilty of it sometimes now is to make that space to sit and talk with your partner about it. You don't have to be really serious and be like, we need to set a date and we need to put it on the calendar. You can go and have a walk. You can go and do it on a date night. You can sit down and have a coffee and do it and just talk about how you're feeling. Do it when you're not in an inflammatory place. I think a lot of women, including myself, will only bring up our issues when we're inflamed, like when we're having an argument, when we feel our needs aren't being met in that moment. And there is no good to come of that. You have to do it when you're regulated. You have to do it when you're actually feeling quite good about yourself, like quite good about life. You have to then go, this is the time, because that's when you can have a productive conversation with your partner. They're gonna actually wanna hear what you have to say because you're saying it with clarity and you're saying it calmly. And they're gonna be really willing to work with you. I think this is the hardest bit for us women to kind of actually sit there and tell our husband or our partner what our needs are because we're scared that we're going to be rejected we're scared that we're not going to be heard but you have to actually try before you can make that decision that you're not going to be heard so just sit down with your partner and have a conversation with them about what you really need and what you really want I promise you you're going to be surprised and the last thing which is really quite simple is just to schedule that one thing for yourself in the calendar we don't have to we don't have to go big here we can start with one thing but actually do it so this is the, the first bit of advice I offered the bit of work to do was to think about that thing that you liked when you were younger now I'm telling you to go and action it stop stealing money from yourself in that mentality or stop not even acknowledging your needs and pencil it in, find the time, start to get that programming and pattern going in your brain that you are worth it because you are. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Work. I'm releasing two of these guys a week, so be sure you hit subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you can also watch me on Spotify and YouTube. And if you are watching me, let me know if I've got too much green on today. All right, thanks guys, bye.